Emily. I'm Catherine, Emily's mom. And this is Macabre Minds. And this week we have a case uh, that is a mystery in Florida. So this was in Bradentown, or Bradenton, Florida. And uh, centers around a couple named Jill and Pat Mullins. They had a house by the water, and this is on the west coast of Florida. And they had, like most other people in the area, a boat for themselves. It was a 14-foot stump knocker boat, which is one of your, like, typical fishing boats. Yeah. It wasn't, like, a speed boat or anything, like, pontoon or whatever. And yet I went, oh, like it was grand. (laughs) Yeah. No. And it was meant for pretty shallow water, not open ocean, because they lived off of a river that branched off into the ocean, but, like, the river went on for Uh, a while. Yeah. It got dumped. So, on January 27th in 2013, Jill was visiting her sister in Sarasota, and she came home around 6.30 or 7 that night, and her husband, Pat, was not home, but his truck was. So... She thought maybe he just walked over to one of the neighbors or something. So she goes out looking for him. She calls him, but his phone goes unanswered. So she went out to the storage shed and saw that their boat was also gone. So now she's worried, like, it's dark outside. What and... would make her, sorry, what would make her go out to the shed to see if the boat, oh, I suppose if boating was a regular thing. Right, exactly. We would check that. Okay. Yeah. And so she called her son, Miles, for help. He was in Tampa for school, and he left Tampa to come and help them. It was about, like, I think an hour away, Tampa, from where they are, mm-hmm. something like that. Not super far, but a drive. Mm-hmm. Um, they reached the Braden River, or they searched the Braden River, sorry, because the bigger Manatee River was far too deep and large for the boat that they had. So they, th- they said there's no way he would have gone out on that one because the boat couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. And at 11 p.m., Jill finally calls the police saying he's missing. They've been searching for him for hours. And then now they decide like, okay, this is serious. It wasn't him just like running out of gas on the river or something maybe. Well, they're hoping that was probably it, but, you know, they need help. Um, So the police sent out a Marine unit, and then the Coast Guard becomes involved at 2 a.m., and helicopters were deployed. And the family, they were really expecting to find him, like, broken down in the boat, like, drifting somewhere, or, like, he had made it to some shore. Um, They weren't really thinking it was more serious than that. Like, like they weren't thinking foul play or something nefarious. Right. Yeah. You just wouldn't. I mean, you see it on TV. There's a lot of crime shows and such. But that's someone else. That's rare. So, yeah, you would not think that. But yeah. I have a feeling that this is what's coming because this is macabre minds. Right. Right. Usually don't have many accidents here. Yeah. <laughs> so the boat was found northwest of Egmont Key in a shipping canal. It was out in the ocean in deep water and far from the river. 
Oh, okay. I was just going to ask, is that yeah. in close proximity somewhat? Of- Not where they expected it to be at all. Mm-hmm. And his things were in the boat, but he was not. Oh, no. And the boat was out of gas. It was stuck in an idle state, and the anchor was not in the boat. So, but he was nowhere to be found. So now the search is for his, for a body, pretty much. Yeah, they're going to need divers now. Yeah. And the police look at his financial things and who he had contacted that day, and there was really nothing unusual, and there were no problems with the boat that they could find, like no tampering or anything. Mm-hmm. The only thing they saw was a light red paint mark on the side of the boat that was there, um, and the family was sure was not there the previous day. Did you so- say paint or red like blood red paint paint oh i think i know this i think i may have seen this on dateline or 48 hours or something (laughs) but i have i do not remember i just know the paint is significant Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) it's okay i i don't remember the outcome that's for sure yeah So now everyone is looking for a person in the water or maybe on a nearby shore. The boat was nine miles off the shore into open ocean. Well, that's far. What? That's far. Nine miles. It doesn't sound like it, but water in water. Yikes. My worst nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -mm. (laughs) Absolutely not. I have a lot of friends who have been going on cruises lately and they're like, it's amazing. I was like, no. Not right. for me. <laughs> anyway. You're um, made, that's for sure. No. <laughs> so they thought the surface currents and the tide directions, if they could figure out what those were at the day or on the day they found the boat and the days leading up to the boat, they could find out where the boat came from. Because they thought maybe it had like drifted that way. So they're mm-hmm. trying to find out in which direction did the boat come from to look for his body um and on february 5th nine days of searching jeffrey page a saltwater fishing guide found a body floating in the water oh no and the body was much closer to land than the boat was so proving that the boat had drifted after he fell out of the boat or whatever happened Mm. It was much closer to the river, his body. So, yeah. again, yeah, he knew the rules of his boat. He did not go out into the open ocean by himself. Um, that's just where the boat ended up. Um, his body looked untouched. His wallet was still in his pocket. He was only missing one shoe, but he had a rope around him. And the rope was tied, like, under his arms, looped once around the chest, and then... um towards his legs and it was tied to a small anchor like it was meant to like you know hold him down and the water he was found in was about six feet deep max so it wasn't that far Um, his facial what so the anchor that was not in the boat it was tied to him yes yeah that's so strange that his wallet was still in his pocket though yeah not i mean i would think if i were the 
the perpetrator that I would take the wallet just so that it would throw authorities off. It'd be harder to identify him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know if it was a robbery. Like, obviously No, even that if wasn't it wasn't. the goal. So, Right, right. the okay so even though his body looked intact his he was face down in the water so when they flipped him his facial facial features were practically gone from the water decay like he had no nose and stuff like And that this is only after nine days? yeah like water With no is nose? fast yeah I would think the salt would preserve him unless animals I think were it's freaking it's at him. weird I think it'll depend on a multitude of things, like the current and how fast the friction of the water would be. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, like the levels of the salt and what bacteria is in that water. And, you Yeah, know, that's yeah. Because true. he was not, it wasn't like open ocean. He was more in like the river part of it. So still salt water, but like it's different. Yeah. 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 Um, he had... Oh, I'm sorry. The medical examiner noticed severe head trauma with six perforations to the skull and one large perforation to the right side, which means on the right side, it was a gunshot wound. And then the left side had like the exit wounds of the bullet Mm. going through. So suicide or homicide were possible at this time, but they weren't sure. His arms were bound, How but... can suicide be an option? What's he going to do? Tie himself to an... Well, I guess he could. That's exactly what they thought. Yeah, but lacerations to the head? That he shot himself in the head. Yeah, but I thought you said he had six lacerations in addition Six to that. perforations of where the bullet exited Oh. in his head. Because, like, the bullet, like, it goes clean on one side and then, like, explodes Oh. out the other side. Oh, So you can have multiple exit wounds from the shrapnel exploding. gosh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they believed his arms were not bound. So they thought, well, he's free to have possibly shot himself. He clearly tied the rope to tie himself down, not to, like, restrain his hands or anything. Um. So officials went with the suicide, saying, yeah,
They never found any evidence in his financial records of him ever buying a gun or ammo, and they asked all the local dealers and shops and stuff if they sold him any gun or ammo, even under a fake name, and they did not recognize him and said, nope, we didn't get any customer like him. There was no note or anything for suicide. His 30th anniversary was coming up with his wife, and... The knots of the rope were not ones that an experienced boatman would use. Like, they were different. So his family is leaning towards, no, you're wrong. It's not a suicide. Yeah. In 2021. All these years later. Yeah. Yeah. Because the police were like, done and dusted suicide. And the family wasn't happy. Yeah. So in 2021, the Mullins family hired a forensic expert, Dr. Lori Baker, to re-examine the case because they felt that part of it was very lacking in the investigation. Mm -hmm. Um, So Dr. Lori Baker attempts to reconstruct the scenario, and she and another guy go out in the boat, and she has him tie himself up just as the ropes were on Pat, throw the anchor in, and pretend to shoot himself. So they know that from the way the bullet wounds looked and everything, they know it was a shotgun. So it was one of, like, a long barrel. So the initial police couldn't figure that out? I think the police did know that, yes. So she's re- can she's redoing it with the, all this knowledge that they do know about the case. Okay. Um, so once he was all tied up, this reenactor, um, in the exact manner that Pat was, he sat on the edge of the boat and attempted to, you know, he used the same exact gun that it would have been, that shotgun. And they found from the angle it would have had to have been to extend your arm all the way out to hold the gun like that because it was like one of those long barrel ones and like shoot from that angle it just would not have worked out because and also like where the bullet wound was there was just no way he could have reached that or been able to do that himself Mm -hmm. um this is what she's saying and there was also no blood like at all in the boat And from that unnatural position, the blood trajectory should have been all over the boat. So there was a luminal test done on the boat and there was no blood found whatsoever. And she said there definitely should have been at least a spray of blood Mm -hmm. at the very least, Um, especially with the breeze and the way the waves swayed and there was no way to do a perfect shot like that from an arm's length and to make it such a clean suicide with no trace of DNA or anything. Mm. So it's a bit more suspicious that way. Um, Also, she said the body was amazingly untouched for being 10 days in the water, um, especially with an open head wound where sharks and alligators would have definitely descended on the body so she wonders if it was really 
if he was really in the water for 10 days or if he was held somewhere on land and then dumped there. Mm. Um, one theory from an investigator is that he may have seen something on the river that he shouldn't have seen and was targeted. And it was just a wrong place, wrong time kind of situation. Which is very possible. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that I know, sorry, (laughs) that I know of someone that witnessed a crime and then he was later killed? No. Yeah. What? It was so long ago now. I think it was early 90s. And my really, really good friend, um, I guess I won't mention her name, her cousin had witnessed it was right here in Frankfurt and he witnessed a crime and they later came now it was I don't know if it was ever proven but the family knows this to be true and uh the the people that you know committed the crime came back and pretty much shut him up forever wow Uh, yeah, there's more to it, but I shall tell you another time. Yeah, scary. Yeah. The river was also commonly used to run drugs as well. So mm-hmm. now that theory kind of is like he saw like a drug dealer or something. Mm-hmm. One sec. For the boat to end up where it was, it would have had to pass under a very busy bridge The bridge let boats in, so it was one of those that, like, raise up and down. Mm -hmm. So it had cameras on it because you need to obviously see what's going on with the boats when they're passing underneath. So everyone got very excited. This bridge is going to give us answers once we check those cameras and see, like, who was with him on the boat or around him and whatnot. But the video that was found... was downloaded as a corrupt file so they never got anything from the video that could have had answers oh how frustrating yeah and that probably literally could have finished the whole case or like you know opened it more and yeah so then a suspect starts to come up as well all these all this time later of Damon Crestwood who was a family friend of Pat's brother so mm-hmm. he and Pat were not very close but they knew each other through Pat's brother as a mutual acquaintance okay um but he was acting very odd after his <gasps> death um sort of what I think I sort of remember. Can I? Hmm, I better not. I'm about to ask a question, but then it might reveal some things <laughs> prematurely. Yeah. Damon was pretty upset. He was extremely upset. He was like uncontrollably sobbing randomly. And Damon had told Jill he would just go to the river and cry for hours over it. And uh, people were like, well, that's nice, but, like, you really didn't know him. Like, why is it so affecting you? Mm -hmm. And people were 
they definitely thought it was odd. And then he started asking weird questions like, can I count on you if something happened? Would you still be my friend if I did something or like weird things like that? And then every January when of the anniversary of Pat's death, he would like have a mental breakdown and he confesses that he was using crystal meth and was becoming very paranoid. Um, but and he, then some he hadn't done that before, correct? The right. crystal meth was something that happened, I don't know, like after the I death. believe so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all. The fact that he mourns on the anniversary of the death of an acquaintance, uh, hello, sus. It's very sus. <laughs> don't like it yeah he also something that really disturbed the family uh i think at like a fourth of july parade or something one year he tied a rope to his dog in the and then tied the rope to himself in the exact manner that pat was tied up and the family was very disturbed by that they were they confronted him and they were like what is that the weirdo like what are you doing And he just shrugged it off and didn't really have an answer for it. And then they also discovered that Damon's boat had a red stripe of paint on it. So they began to suspect that Damon's boat had had contact with Pat's, making that red stripe that was found on Pat's boat that they never had any connection to until now. Yeah. Now, does... The the private investigator or whatever she is that the that Pat's family hired mm-hmm. um, is she suspicious about this and looking into this? Um, I don't know. It wasn't for that. Oh. because she pri- moved on. Like, what? She moved on. Yeah, I think she like did what the family asked her to do. They didn't ask her to do this. And also, the, um, yeah, she just wasn't part of that. Um, the police wanted to sample the paint from Damon's boat, but he refused. And there wasn't enough for a warrant, so they couldn't just scrape it off anyway. Um, but then Damon died in 2017 from oh. an overdose. Oh, no. So. Okay. At 48. After he died, his daughter gave permission for a sample of the boat, um, and the paint was a match. It was the exact same, but the police said it was nothing. They said it could have been any boat with the same paint. Lots of boats could have used the paint from this paint store, blah, 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 blah. Why did they go ahead with the paint sample? I know. (laughs) They're like, okay, we'll appease you, but then we're not really going to drag it out further. He's dead now, so what's the point? So, if anything could have been done about the boat, or if anything could have been done about Damon, the family felt he definitely knew what happened to Pat. Whether he did it himself, saw it, or aided in it, they believed Damon had all the answers. And all of those answers died with him and it is still a mystery to this day of oh. what happened what really happened really 
Yeah. No, this is I, unsolved. I feel <laughs> I feel that what I saw, I don't know if it's the same thing as you, that Damon may have been gay, like bisexual or gay or just totally obsessed with Pat. And he he somehow took a liking to him, unnatural liking. And then somehow they ended up, he convinced Pat to go, go out boating. And when things didn't, I, I, I think this is what the family thinks. Am I right? Uh, they didn't say anything like that. And what okay, I saw. maybe I saw something different, but. He, the, that- the fascination with him did not begin until after he died. So they were they never hung out or anything before then. What did you see this on? Unsolved Mysteries. Hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if I saw it on a dateline for 48 hours. And they spun a different story. Yeah. But the family think- never mentioned anything like that in this what I saw. May- they perhaps- just said it was like weird that he was fascinated with the death and cried over it. They never said anything like he wanted to be with him. So, mm. <laughs> Yeah, may, unless I made that up in my mind, but I, I really do feel like there was like an unnatural obsession that he had and he somehow got him to go out boating and then rejection um, caused him to act out. And then I don't know, but in this episode, the family holds firm to the theory he saw something he shouldn't have and Damon was either part of that for his drugs or witnessed it and didn't do anything but why would Damon be there when they were just distant acquaintances I don't know no they don't know Hmm. but they just feel because of his behavior they know he knows something somehow and but they believe in that theory that he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time or Damon made him be in the wrong place at the wrong time and yeah. saw something. Yeah. Huh. So in this documentary with the family, that's what they believe. That's what they said. Yeah. And I could be completely wrong, but I just, I remember that story, obviously not um, real well, but <laughs> definitely the paint and on the boat was a, de- a memory trigger yeah and the fact that this distant acquaintance um triggered my memory too like it was just odd mm-hmm. hmm. yeah so unsolved mysteries i love them and hate them at the same time because i want I to know, know. But the mysteries are so fascinating, though, of like how all this time can go by with all the technology we have, all the things we know, and we still can't figure yeah. things out. And that the law is full of technicalities. And yeah. Do you know, years and years ago, uh, I think it was early 90s, I um, I think it was before Dateline and 48 Hours, and or at least before it was this um, an addiction as it is now for me. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries. And when they would do the crime ones, I'd be like, oh. because like I didn't like it because it was unsolved. Yeah. But when they did the mysterious things, like, you know, the UFOs, <laughs> aliens and stuff, or even ghosts. Um, now I would be like, yeah, let's, let's see more of that. Or like the, the circle formations in England. <laughs> and you now know. you're the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm right. Well, you can skip the supernatural thing. Pardon? I said you, you would skip the supernatural episodes. Yeah. Right. My perspective. Well, I'm older and this and that, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, definitely with a Christian perspective, too. Although, I don't know how many Christians are like um, intrigued by crime stories. I don't know. <laughs> I think a lot are because it's so appalling and it's so like... It's oh. like a McDonald's thing. You say you're not, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> you you eat the McDonald's, you watch the crime show and you know it. <laughs> Yes. Otherwise, how would there be four hundred billion served exactly. if everybody denied? How would true crime be the number one genre in America? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Don't pretend. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I'm Emily. You. Oh, and I'm Catherine. Thank you, Emily. Of course. And this was Macabre Minds. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.